Welcome back to Second and Short. It is Wednesday, May 24th, 2023. Brock joins me once again. We're going to weave our way through an interesting weekend and kind of a beginning of the week is kind of been crazy too in sports. So Brady is now a minority owner in the NFL. Another bird got killed in the field of play in the MLB and the financial information for NCAA conferences has come out. So there's a ton more to talk about. Let's go ahead and dive into it, Brock. We'll start in the NFL. Tom Brady, officially a minority owner of the Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah, I mean, good for him. Still making money. Uh, has that what, like two hundred million dollar contract lurking out? So with the uh, with who is it? ESPN or uh, I think it's Fox. With Fox, yeah. I I wish I had that contract. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> but uh, I will say, like, you know, he doesn't technically start that contract for like another year. So. It, it's almost like he's doing this just to take up some time. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. Well, I'm a single father. I'm going to go hang out in Vegas. <laughs> yeah. What else do I have to do with my life? You know, I have nothing. I'm, I'm retired finally at 42. What do I have to do? Yeah. And, and this has been like talked about for the, like, I don't know, like two weeks now. I've been hearing the whisperings of this happening, but I didn't know when or if it would even happen. But now that it has happened, you know, it, it's not like a game changer. It's not like Tom Brady's going to be making the big decisions. That's, Still going to be up to Mike Davis, but I just think it's very interesting to see Tom Brady joining an ownership group that he was never even a part of that team or even remotely close to it. Maybe that was that's the point of it is to be like, hey, like you know, not to to literally just make money and not have to worry about what their decisions are or anything. He has no stake, really. I mean, he has stake in it for money, but like uh emotionally he doesn't really care what's going on as long as he's making money so maybe that's the thought process behind it yeah well and maybe he wanted to be josh mcdaniel's boss <laughs> he was kind of tired of following his lead when he was his offensive coordinator uh, maybe <laughs> <laughs> but um let's talk about a super super sad thing that i saw happen um we lost one of the greatest of all time in the national football league jim brown uh, just on and off the field uh, a stand-up guy in in such a fantastic human being yeah, that is very tragic, and I mean, he, he made it a long time, I believe 87, made a long time, made a big impact both on and off the field, like you said, and it is extremely tragic that uh, he is no longer with us. Yeah, uh, a big advocate for, you know, in the civil rights, um, playing as early as he did and, you know, facing the adversity that it, you, you come across as, you know, a black player that played in his era but also being one of the best even at the time and you know as of now still one of the best running backs of all time uh, an absolute legend and uh, just RIP to Jim Brown what a horrible thing yeah he'll definitely go down uh in many hall of fames so yes certainly um let's get to some happier news though Super Bowl 60 is headed to San Francisco Levi Stadium 2026 who do we think is going to be in the Super Bowl in 2026? It's a couple of years down the road. <laughs> I'll make a bold prediction. We got the Falcons. We're gonna get. We're gonna get a good quarterback, <laughs> right? Gonna get a co- good quarterback and then get rid of Ritter. You know, he'll do his time, do what he needs to. But we'll make a big trade, get someone good, and we'll be on a. We'll be back. Maybe just like be, 2016. Uh, all maybe over Caleb down. Williams will be leading us, depending on how this season goes. Uh, just maybe. I don't know. I think we might be a little too high for that. Fair enough. We could pick up a Drake May, maybe. Oh, that would be very nice. <laughs> but uh, I, I just, I think this is a great one. You know, San Francisco has 
developed into like you know obviously a, a storied past and then <coughs> they've always just been a mainstay in the nfl they've mm-hmm. always been very good uh but you know with this defense they've got right now such an exciting team to watch but an exciting group of fans that show mm-hmm. out all the time and you know putting it in california but not putting it in la is i think better yeah i think la is so like i feel like we never saw that many celebrities mm-hmm. at a super bowl like la and you know when the rams like the rams were playing in it but they don't have a following there yeah really. you know like yes they have people that have become fans but when you think of the rams you think of the st louis fans and, and everything else and it's like okay but you know they've only been there a handful of years they can't have that many devoted fans to this franchise mm-hmm. so it's hard to get you know their fans there the other team's fans there without it just being a big celebrity show yeah, somewhere that I'm very excited to see in the next and the coming years after their stadium gets built, and they'll be able to host uh, Super Bowl finally. And that will be uh, Nashville. Yes, with that indoor stadium, there be that's getting built up there. It's gonna be a very nice, very, very expensive stadium they're be, uh, building specifically to get events like the national championship and uh, Super Bowl. So I think that's gonna be a great city to have especially uh, like I said with the indoor stadium and everything that the city provides will be a great another great place for big events like that to be held and honestly this might lead to the those big events only ho- being hosted in these few states Miami you know Florida Georgia Tennessee when they get their stadium done yeah. New Orleans like Buffalo is working on a brand new stadium that's going to be huge mm-hmm. so maybe they'll grab one obviously like MetLife is going to have theirs just because it's New York but I, I think that yeah there is like a handful of places they yeah. want to put a Super Bowl like they're not going to put it in you know the middle of nowhere yeah and you know uh, the big thing that I've always seen uh, especially in the recent years is with the time of year it is they want somewhere that's warm that has or if it's somewhere cold it has a retractable or ha- is indoors and, you know, it's going to probably stay in the states like California and the Southeast. Yeah, there's, you know, so much that goes into, you know, planning a Super Bowl. But I think it's always safer when you pick a guy, a place with a good climate. Yeah. <laughs> but let's talk about this rule change that happened over the weekend. The NFL approved flex scheduling for Thursday night football. So teams that do get selected to be in a Thursday night football uh, game from weeks 13 to 17 will get 28 days notice. And so they can switch you around as long as they give you 28 days notice, but it can only happen in those last couple of weeks of the season. But it seems like this is a horrible idea because, you know, teams aren't made to function this way. They're, mm-hmm. they're not, you're not always going to be ready for four days rest. <laughs> like it is not that easy. And, Obviously, a few teams were against it, being the Giants, Jets, Packers, Bears, Raiders, Lions, Bengals, and Steelers, all voting against it, but still comes out. Yeah, I think, unfortunately, that's just one of those. It's just how the NFL works. It's, I know it's this is supposed to be better for the players, letting them get more rest or whatnot, but I think that's just, you know, you draw the short straw or whatever it may be. You get the Thursday night game, I think you just need to stick with the Thursday night game. Yeah, and, and like with this whole Thursday night thing, um, it, it's not just considering you know the rest that these players will get because you know no matter what, like they're going to get the notice, so they know that they're going to be on a four day turnaround from mm-hmm. Sunday's game. But 
it's also about fans. You know, fans can't often go to a Thursday night game. That's not a night that a ton of people are just available to go. And like, True. you know, you can't make a, a, a trip out of it yeah. because you got to be back at work on Friday morning. And Jerry Jones pointed out that, you know, the fan impact is an important issue, but also said about only 7% of NFL fans have ever even been to a game at a stadium. So wow. how much does that really affect, you know, the fan impact, but all the games are on Amazon. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's accessible, but not quite as accessible as, you know, your normal NBC, Fox, CBS games. But I, I think when it comes to, you know, streaming, a lot of people are going to have access to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we had another rule change, which I think is absolutely ridiculous. Um, at the time that I put this in here, it hadn't actually been voted on, but it has since been approved. Um, touchbacks on kickoffs, um, you know, in the NFL have been wherever you fair catch it, unless you're in the end zone, that's where you got it. Mm -hmm. Now, if you are inside the 25 and you fair catch it, you're put at the 25 yard line. I don't know how I feel about this. Apparently, several owners said that their special teams coaches told them it was a bad idea, but it still passed. Yeah, the only thing I have for this is those certain scenarios in the game. where, Because nine times out of ten on a kickoff, they're just going to kick it out the back of the end zone and let them take it at the 25. But there are those times where it is, there's 45 seconds in the game, two minutes, you know, like little left in the clock where... They were saying, all right, you want to kick this short, get it right at the five-yard line so they had to take it out, and you know, run down a little clock and put them in bad field position or whatever it may be. So I don't necessarily support it, but I understand the fact behind it is so they can try and prevent injuries. But at what point or in football are we going to try and prevent injuries so much we're going to start changing, completely changing the way we play the game? Yeah, exactly. Then That's kind of you know, what happens every year now mm-hmm. as we continue to add these rules and, and everything happens, it, it gets to the point where it's like, okay, so at one point are we just going to, you know, yeah, everybody's going to be wearing bubble wrap and <laughs> nobody's going to be allowed to touch each other. Like at, at what point are we watching two hand touch football? But like, I get it safety wise, mm-hmm. but when it comes down to, you know, situationally, um, I, I think it really fucks some people over. Yeah, I agree, and I just, again, back to the changing every every year, changing the rules to make football safer and whatnot, I agree with a lot of things. There were some things that just need to be outlawed, like the hitting the, use, the yeah. defenseless play. Some things, certain things needed to be fixed up on, but there's a lot that they've done that's just like, you know, you can't even touch a quarterback anymore. Yeah, exactly, you know? and, and some refs know how to call it, some mm-hmm. don't, like, it's so like here and there with roughing the passer calls, but you know, like you said, there is things that needed to go there. Yeah. You know, hitting a defensive player, horse collar tackles that have been outlawed in mm-hmm. you know the last two decades, like things like that need to go. They're yeah. detrimental to players' health. But something like this, where I feel like injuries, and I might just be wrong here, but I feel like there's not too many injuries that are the result of a team returning a kick starting at the five yard line. Well, also this goes into if you're going to change this, how if you if there are, let's just say of a hundred kickoffs, three people there are five injuries, three of them are minor, like twisted ankles, something like that, pulled hamstring, nothing major. That takes a few weeks to get up, and there's one or two's a 
torn ACL, something crazy. Well, when you go into how much of it is because of the turf. That's yeah. a big thing that a lot of players have an issue with is the turf. Some of it's pretty crappy. When are they going to put in a rule that says, all right, no more. Oh, I can't remember what it is. But there's the, the specific type of turf that I believe five NFL stadiums still use that is so bad and it catches and that where they have the most injuries, uh, the ligament injuries especially. When are they going to go say something about that? When They obviously don't care about yeah. the player's injuries if they're not going to go in really in-depth and try and fix those little things. Yeah, I, I think there's a better probability that they start regulating their cleats before they start changing out turf. Yeah, it's all about the money, man. <laughs> exactly, and all of their sponsors, like Nike, would love if yeah. they did that. But um, let's move on to the uh, commander's sale. So it got reported that you know the Josh Harris bid was accepted, but it's still kind of going through the motions. It looks like it still needs a little bit more work, according to some owners around the league but does appear that it will happen within months. Uh, Cowboys owner Jerry Jones, of course, uh, commented on it and called this commander's impending uh, ownership group, which is led by Josh Harris, uh, outstandingly qualified owners, added that he has no qualms with the structure and number of limited partners. So Jerry Jones, a big fan of what is happening. And I think when it comes to talking about owners, Jerry Jones is definitely a guy to listen to. Oh, yeah, he's owned the Cowboys for what? 40 years now. Something like it, yeah. And brought them to their first uh, few Super Bowls, has had great teams under him. Um, I mean, like you said, great person to listen to. He obviously knows what he's talking about. Yeah, and, and kind of a, a self-made football team owner because, you know, first team he ever owned, the only team that he had owned, I, I think to this day he might have a couple of random small things, but uh, he said it himself. He said, I didn't get into the NFL for money. I had some and I gave it all up plus a lot that I didn't have to be a part of the Cowboys. So when he sees guys like Josh Harris, who already owns the New Jersey Devils and the uh, NHL and the Philadelphia 76ers, you know, you see these guys that are experienced owners, and it's kind of an interesting concept to guys like Jerry Jones or like Jim Ursay, who kind of got in there and have just continued to build franchises. Yeah. Yeah, very, very interesting to see that, yeah. But, um... Let's talk about this because I loved when this story came out. So on draft night, the Steelers traded up with the Patriots to draft Broderick Broderick Jones out of Georgia. And um, they only did it. So the Steelers wanted an offensive tackle there, of course. But they knew that the Jets wanted to as well with Skaronsky. Uh, Paris Johnson and Darnell Wright already off the board. Roger Jones was really their last resort, at least at a first round, first half of the first round offensive tackle. And Mike Tomlin said that the tr- <clears throat> excuse me, the Patriots really accepted it to screw over the Jets. <laughs> and <laughs> Tomlin said, "I'll put it this way: there wasn't a lot of hesitation on New England's end." So. This is a great start to the season with the Patriots already trying to fuck over the Jets just in the draft. Yeah. I, I can't wait to watch these two teams face off. I mean, I love it. That That's what football is about, the competition aspect. And at every turn, just being like, just the little things to just mess with them. I love it. Yeah, it's great. And another thing I love, Matt Ryan. He chose to be um, on a combination of games and studio work with his job at CBS instead of taking the vacated chair uh, that was prior uh, that prior was Sean Payton's at Fox. So obviously 
they got they offered him at Fox, but chose to do CBS because they offered him some game work. Mm. You know, I really like Matt Ryan. He was obviously a great quarterback in Atlanta. Will always be remembered. Atlanta holds many records. I would love to see him sign a one-day contract to be able to retire as a Falcon, though. Yeah, and he talked about his possible return, said that all the stars would have to align. You know, uh, he's just, he's learned that at least during his experience in the 15 years he's played, to not shut any doors, which mm-hmm. I think is the right move for Matt Ryan. And I, I will say, though, I, I think it's come to an end. I definitely think it's come to an end. He had a, the last few years in Atlanta were a little rough. And then, of course, his last year with the Colts was, whew. Yeah, horrendous. <laughs> Didn't help that the coaching was dog shit. Yeah, but <laughs> uh, I'll give him. I'll cut him some slack. But it looks like the NFL is going for a second wave of investigations on potential gambling policy violations. You know, following the five players suspended back in April, mm-hmm. this could be a big deal. Yes, you know, and it could continue to be a big deal. But when these five suspensions happened. Uh, I believe it was me and Luke. It might have been me and Mike uh, in the episode that he hopped on. We talked about how the NFL is kind of asking for this, you know, promoting things like DraftKings and and like all of these different gambling sites and truly like promoting it in stadiums and promoting it on TV. You're inviting these players to gamble, and yeah, they are allowed to gamble, but they can't gamble on any NFL or team grounds, and they can't gamble on any NFL games. I have a very interested. I have a very. I don't know how I would have put my my opinion varies a lot on that because, as being a part of the uh, of an NCAA organization, I'm not allowed to bet on any NCAA sports in which I don't, of course, because a I'm not old enough to, and b I don't have the money to. So <laughs> don't don't have to worry about that for me. However, I have to agree with you. The way they're promoting everything and doing it. I mean, I get, I understand. I mean, you should, they should be able to have the discipline not to bet on the NFL team. Like, come on. That's rule number one yeah. in there. Just, there's many other sports to gamble on. However, like, you gotta, it, it's like you said, it's, like, it's, I know it's like hard not to, but it's like, ah, it, it's very, I don't exactly know how, cause like, I think you should, kind of like Pete Rose, you know, he bet on it. He never bet against, he never bet <laughs> against his team, so he never threw a game. That's true. But, you know, it's, you know, you kind of get into that thing. It's like, it's almost like the morality. Yeah, and, and like, I get it. I get why the NFL doesn't allow them to do it because, you know, it's a matter of, like, yeah, my friend plays for this team. Mm -hmm. He said, like, he said that, you know, the game plan, the ball is coming to him this week, like, bet his over on receptions. Yeah. Like, something like that could be the case. Mm -hmm. Do I think it's the case? Fuck no, I don't think that's the case. (laughs) Like, these guys just want to bet. Like, you know, it's probably a bye week. And they're like, yeah, you know, we're not playing this weekend. I just want to watch some football. I want to be invested. Mm-hmm. Let me toss, you know, a couple hundred on a Cowboys money line. Like, something just, like, fun to get you into the game. Yeah. And it, it, they're fucking themselves over with it. Yeah, I mean, like, like, again, I get it. Like, they are just screwing themselves. You should have the discipline. However, like you said, that's a great point, like, if you're not playing, especially like if it's not your team, like I can understand the argument. Like it's not my team. Like I don't really know anything. I'm just betting to bet because why not? I have millions of dollars, you know, to just blow around basically. Exactly. Why not? You know, so it gets into this whole thing. At the, at the end of the day, I think it just comes down to the morality. And I think that's one of those things that it's just like, 
you know, that's one that was just like morally, it should be no, like, you know, too much, you shouldn't do it. It's like when, I mean, at the same time, but like, they can't do it, but like, you, this would get into a whole political thing, but like, people get mad about the uh, politics and having their stocks, you know? Yeah, it, so it, it is in a sense, if, you know, and, and it's not just players that are regulated, it's employees as well. You talked about it, how mm-hmm. you can't bet on anything in CAA, but. You know, employees can't either, and I believe there were some employees that got in trouble with the Lions, including their four players that also got suspended. So I think that the big thing here is that they don't want it to be, you know, this insider trading-esque thing with it where, you know, this guy who's the fucking janitor <laughs> hurt, like was mopping the floors outside the locker room when they were talking about the defensive game plan next week. Yeah. And then he's going to, you know, take the over on the opposing quarterback's passing yards because they're Mm. like they're set up to stop the run like yeah it's just the small things like that that i understand why they can't but it's very enticing when the nfl is just throwing it right out in front of you yeah i mean i again i get it it's just it's a it's a very tough rule and like as a fan i don't really get upset about it yeah exactly like it doesn't change the way i look at them like it doesn't change the way i look at the nfl doesn't change the way i look at these players I don't care. Do what you want to do. Just be smart about it. I do want to say, I think it's so dumb to suspend them for multiple games. I think yeah. that should almost just be like a fine, like a, a fine, some other things. It should not be, oh, you can't play football because you did this. Yeah, because like Jamison Williams, <coughs> he wasn't gambling on NFL games. He was just gambling on other sports while in the facilities. Mm-hmm. And what that ended up, what ended up happening, he got a six-game suspension. Yeah. And then um, it was either six or eight. And then the guys that did bet on NFL games, whether they were on you know property or not, they're out for the full season. Mm-hmm. And all of the ones that I saw that got the full season suspensions got cut. Yeah, which is just ridiculous. Because I mean, I don't blame the the owners and the teams for. You know, cutting them from the if they can't play, they can't produce, they can't give their product. Yeah, and it also appeared that it seemed to be a lot of players who didn't really get a lot of playing time, who weren't starters, who were kind of backup. So you're really also just screwing these guys. Yeah. So it again just gets into this whole big argument of all of that, and I think it comes down to morality and how can you judge morality. Exactly. Uh, let's move on to something that I thought was, you know, it, it's a great start to these changes. But the NFLPA had some surveys that they gave to all the players uh, to rate their franchise from an A to F scale or A plus to F minus scale, I believe, mm-hmm. um, on, you know, certain things that have to do with like the facilities. So uh, like cleanliness of the facilities, the food, the, you know, uh, family accommodation, things like that. And it, it looks like uh, one of the direct results of these players universally grading the food poorly is that at least three NFL teams have added salary, salaried food and nutrition staff this offseason. And no, I said added, not replaced. So there were teams out there that didn't have year-round food and nutrition staffs. Uh, that's It's unbelievable. They, they even do that in college. Yeah. You're a multi-million dollars some of these billion dollar businesses basically and you cannot provide a handful of people needed to be to do all those things yeah that's absolutely ridiculous but i think that's going to wrap it up for the nfl let's talk college football (coughs) we're talking money today lots of money involved 
and let's just get it started. Oh, wow. All these financials have been released from the 2021-2022 fiscal, fiscal year. Uh, so all together, the Power Five conferences combined for more than $3.3 billion in revenue. But to break it down to each one, um, when it comes to distribution per school by conference, the Big Ten with the most paying out by school $58.8 million uh, averaged out. Whew. The SEC, $49.9 million. The Big 12 was somewhere from 42 to $44.9 million. The ACC, quite a drop-off here, 37.9 to 41.3 million, and then the Pac-12 at 37 million per team. And that right there, exactly why I understand UCLA and USC wanted to uh, jump shit to the Big Ten. Yeah, for 21 million more dollars. <laughs> I yeah, don't blame them. <laughs> I would. Yeah, and it makes total sense. But it also makes sense that the Big Ten is making this much money because if you look, I've said this in way way months ago about how they have their enrollment as compared to the sec per school is literally like 30 to 40,000 more students it is insane so they're gonna have a bigger fan base a larger fan base more merchandise will be bought more tickets will be sold more people will uh watch the games and stream the games and pay for all that extra stuff so it makes sense when you look at it and then of course the sec just being so insanely good at uh, football and other sports, it makes sense. Yeah, and just kind of across the board, like I'm not surprised by these numbers. Uh, no. I'm not surprised that the Pac-12 has the least, and I'm really not surprised that the Big 12 is making more than the ACC. I saw some people complaining about it, but when you think about how bottom-heavy the ACC really is, yeah, it's not that surprising. Like Teams like you know your Louisville's and Syracuse and Boston College, like, mm-hmm those teams really weigh down, you know, the Florida States, the Clemsons and, and and so on. Well, and you have in the big 12, you have the largest fan base in all of college sports, Texas by a dramatic sum. And then another extremely large one in Oklahoma. So it makes sense why they're uh, right there in the middle. Yeah, exactly. It it all kind of makes sense, but um, the ACC and PAC 12, though the bottom two on this list, they reported record revenue in this 2021-2022 fiscal year. So the ACC revenue-wise made a whole $617 million, and just in TV money made $442.7 million. And then the Pac-12 in revenue made $581 million. So huge numbers for both of these conferences, but it's kind of crazy that these are the two conferences that are in the worst positions right now. Yeah, that is very interesting. Uh, you would think that those would be the two biggest right now wanting to flip everything around, especially with all the money they're making now that to keep everybody and be able to retain them. And with Pac-12 losing their two biggest, that is going to be very interesting to see how that works out for them. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. Let's talk about some very interesting news here. So the son of Michigan legendary head coach, Bo Schembechler, um, who goes by Shemmy Schembechler. His real name's Glenn. <laughs> but uh, he was hired by Michigan last Wednesday. It was actually on our prep sheet last week, and I just skipped by because I was like, this is stupid. Like, nobody cares. But it, it became pretty important as of this week. So Shemmy, as I'll refer to him, he resigned on Saturday. 
So he got hired on Wednesday, resigned on Saturday after some liked tweets surfaced. So some fans saw some tweets from his account that had been liked, and uh, a number of them were relatively racist. Ooh. Not good. Uh, some of the worst being a tweet that claimed that Jim Crow laws would benefit the black communities. All right. Um, some hate speech against Congressman Hakeem Jeffries, oh. who is uh, a black man, yeah. uh, comparing BLM riots to the January 6th riot. Interesting. And praising fringe presidential candidate Robert Kennedy Jr. And in quotes, as long as he doesn't go trans. Yeah, that's one way <laughs> to get yourself out of a job. Yeah. Uh, you know, you'd think that a, a giant college would be doing some good background checks. Yeah. You know, it, it's not that hard to see what somebody likes on Twitter. All yeah. you got to do is go to their account, click <laughs> and likes, scroll. and scroll through. Like, it's not that hard to find. Mm -hmm. So I think Michigan needs to be doing a little more in-depth <laughs> analysis. Yeah, I mean, it is insane to me that in the modern world now, everyone knows about their digital footprint, and you wouldn't take better care of your digital footprint. Understand... Yes, you can have your opinions or whatnot. We had the First Amendment in the United States. However, there are a lot people don't want you if you're gonna if you're gonna bring bad press. Yeah, this isn't you know all good. Uh, they say all press is good press. However, <laughs> this is not. This would not. Yeah, this is not a good idea because I have a feeling you know, especially when you get into some of those things, it would not work out well for recruiting. Yeah, definitely. Um, Let's talk about this, though. I think this is fantastic. So the Harvard Boosters are starting an NIL collective, which could be huge <laughs> because they've got the kind of money yeah. that could, like, bring the Ivy Leagues back to prominence. Yeah, and this is something that, I, that we talked about a little bit before, and I think what I think about here is Georgia Tech. Yeah. And they want a good sports team, however – they are not willing to work with the athlete enough for to help them stay in a university as hard because Georgia Tech, as we know, is a top. I believe they're top thirty in the in the entire United or in the entire world. I mean, like they are one of the best schools in the entire world. I mean, of course, I, everyone in Ivy League's top ten. So, but uh, using Georgia Tech as an example because I'm familiar with them, they have such strict rules for athletes and what you have to do, what you have to make, what you have to keep in classes to maintain. Yep. And another thing, you're, the test scores that you get in are way higher than a lot than the average athlete can do. I mean, than the average person can do to get into these elite schools. So I'm not, I mean, not saying anything against the athlete. I'm just saying to get into these places is extremely hard, and they do not make it any easier for the athlete. So if they want to come back to prominence, they're going to have to give some leeway for the athletes. And yeah, I of course. But I think that, you know, in my mind, like, there is – tons of athletes that get offered by Harvard and get offered by, you know, Yale and other Ivy League schools. But, you know, maybe they choose to go to still a great school, but like a Stanford, something yeah. like that, where it's like, okay, I could have gone to Harvard, but Stanford has the better program. Yeah. I have more opportunities with Stanford. If the Harvard boosters and, you know, anybody's boosters in the Ivy League, they make a lot of fucking money yeah. <laughs> outside <laughs> of, you know, whatever they already have. So, if they want to contribute, and I feel like they would, you know, a lot of Harvard boosters would be, you know, they're very charitable people. And mm -hmm. I think that if they start donating into these NIL collectives and really you know, building up quite a bag there, I think that it could attract some of those guys that 
do really well in school and are these like model students to go there and, you know, make some money and, you know, kind of bring the Ivy Leagues back. I would love to see the Ivy League make the transition to the FBS. Yeah. Imagine Power Six with the Ivies come back to see and Harvard and Yale going to the to the national championship. That would be yeah, insane. We see Cornell. <laughs> but um, let's talk about this one. This is an interesting move here. So the Big Twelve Commissioner Brett Yormack or Yormark uh, was recently on UConn's campus to meet with the administration. At the moment, UConn is independent, but. I think this would be very interesting. It kind of goes back to what we talked about where it's it's the cross-country move. Mm-hmm. Big 12, you know, <laughs> I'm not trying to fly from Connecticut to <laughs> fucking the... I don't even know who's in the Big 12 now. <laughs> Everybody's leaving and coming in. Kansas? I, I, BYU yeah. is now there. <laughs> I don't want to fly from Connecticut to Utah. That's a literally cross-country. Yeah, that sucks. Uh, would that... What? Utah, or not, sorry, UConn already was in the American Athletic. They spanned from when they were in there, you, uh, Connecticut, all the way down to SMU and some uh, farther out than just Dallas, Texas. So they're already making these long treks. All right, what's worse than, you know, we move up and make a couple million more dollars, several million more dollars, and we still don't, we, we're making the same, we're doing the same traveling, but making more money, you know, why not? Yeah, I think this would be... You know, obviously UConn sucks at football. Yeah, <laughs> but basketball yes. would be huge. Both women's and Dude, men's. Yeah, and like seeing you know UConn's men's team <coughs> or UConn's women's teams facing up against like powerhouses like you know UConn is a blue blood essentially of college basketball. Seeing them face off yearly against Kansas mm-hmm. in the tournament, like things like that, really drive the viewership and, and drive these schools you know back to being those headliners. And UConn, they're coming off of a national championship in yeah. basketball. Like, it, it, it would be a fantastic move if the Big 12 could attract them, but, you know, there's really no telling. And I think, that again, that'd be a, the great for basketball, however it may affect them in the other sports. But when it comes to all that, I, I think what we're going to see is you're going to have your power two with Big 10 and the SEC. And then you're going to have the Big 12, ACC, Pac-12. Then you're going to have everybody else. It's going to be the – if you, especially if they keep moving up, these really good uh, sports – or yeah. sorry, these other programs are really good in other sports and up up to these big uh, Power 5 programs, the Sun, the Sun Belt American uh, Conference, USA, all of these are just going to fall apart and become yeah. nothing. and. It's really gonna, then. There's going to be no point in having them in D1. Yeah, I've said it before. They want to keep doing this. They need to realign everything again. You need to have your Power Five be in their own division. They can only play Group of Five, and Group of Five has their own playoffs. Because at this point, I mean, they're making money or whatever being Group of you know Group of Five, but they really no one wants to go there because they're not going to really. They just kind of get an okay bowl game. No one really pays yeah. attention to them. So. You know, it's kind of starting to screw over these smaller schools. Yeah, I think that something that, you know, the group of five conferences, if they wanted to, could come together and create their own playoff. I, I feel like mm-hmm. that's not against the rules. I, You know, I don't really know how it all functions, <laughs> yeah. but I, I feel like that would be possible. I don't know. Uh, like you said, I don't know how it works, but I think you're these schools, like I just said, they're just getting screwed over. Because they're really schools like that have traditionally good athletics, 
Georgia Southern, Georgia State, Southern Miss, Tulane, UCF, or UCF's moving up. But, like, you know, you have these schools like that, that uh, App State even, traditionally have these good programs, good in all sports across the board, but not just there, right there to be. Ooh, they can make it into a tournament, win a few games, but not go all the way or something. Yep. And now that these even better teams are going up, they're going to get ignored more, get put on the back burner, burner ESPN Plus, and no one's going to really going to play ESPN Plus yeah. to watch their Georgia Southern Eagles. So it's like, oh, we'll just – We'll, we'll forget about Georgia Southern move to just be Georgia fans. Yeah, exactly. And, like, you know, why would I want to watch the Mac if they weren't playing on weekdays? Yeah. Like, the, there's there's no reason to watch Maction yeah. unless it's a Wednesday night football game. Exactly. <laughs> so, like, I understand, you know, kind of splitting the two. But at the same time, you know, we wouldn't have – App State and Marshall upsetting Notre Dame if we split them all up. And and I get what you said. You yeah. did say that they could drop down and still play a group of five schools. But, you know, we, we would miss out on these, you know, once-in-a-lifetime mm-hmm. upsets that we could be seeing, you know, if, you know, they can't play an FCS team to start the season. Well, what, like the that. biggest thing I would say is these big schools cut out the FCS and only play a group of five. Yeah. You know, so if they were to split again, because Alabama never – should be playing Mercer. Yes, that's true. The disparities between the two programs. Alabama gets $500 million. That's uh, just a random number I pulled out of my, you know. But, and Mercer gets a million. Look at the difference. Recruiting, way different. Mercer would be lucky to get someone that's even a one star. Alabama has a roster of five stars. So seeing this, fans don't want to go to these games. Fans aren't going to tune into these games. Make it more exciting. Make these games harder. But this is the, back to what I've said. I've said millions, uh, millions of times. It's all about the money, and no one's willing to get to risk that. Yeah, uh, I definitely understand that. But let's move on to this. So NBC wants JJ Watt for their Big Ten studio show when their media <coughs> rights deal begins, which I believe starts in 2024's season. Um, I think this would be fantastic. Maybe JJ will be a little bit busy with uh, Burnley Football Club over in England, <laughs> but uh, I think he can make out some time to be on the uh, Big Ten Studio Show. That'd be great. Him and uh, Urban Meyer. Oh yeah, I bet. <laughs> and I have a feeling NBC would be willing to give him a nice little paycheck. Oh yeah. To uh, do some of the games with the old Urban Crier. Yeah, dude, that would be so funny to see like JJ Watt, Urban Meyer. I don't even know if Urban Meyer would like leave. I think he's got a job with Fox at the moment for like their um, like afternoon Big Ten mm-hmm. whatever coverage. But you know, I'm sure there's some guys that will make the jump from Fox to NBC. Um, you know, for whatever because obviously it's gonna be the Big Ten's thing. Yeah. So uh, I think that you know they could put together quite the table if they can even just bring on JJ Watt. Yeah. Who? So is there anybody who's taken over Fox now that? I think that it's a so I think it's all split up. Uh. Um, with with like the uh, so CBS is losing the SEC, mm-hmm. and they are taking part of the Big Ten, and NBC is taking part of the Big Ten. Mm. I don't remember if Fox is a part of it or not, but I think the ACC might still have some affiliation with Fox. I, I can't quite remember. I can't keep up. With all this. I know is the if I turn on the TV, I know this team's plan. I'll find the channel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All that matters to me is the SEC is exclusively ESPN now and Disney, so I can watch it on anything. Yes, that is fantastic. 
Uh, let's talk about this. I think this is, I don't know, there, there's definitely a divide here on people's opinions of how Deion Sanders has, you know, started his tenure at Colorado. Uh, Pat Narduzzi um, certainly isn't a fan. He said that yeah. it's bad for college football. Uh, this is all one big quote, but that's not what the rule intended to be. It was not to overhaul your roster. We'll see how it works out, but that, to me, looks bad on college football coaches across the country. The reflection is on one guy right now, but when you look at it overall, those kids that have moms and dads and brothers and sisters and they have goals in life, I don't know how many of those 70 that left really wanted to leave or they were kicked in the butt to get out. Yeah, and I kind of agree with this because you should, that's your team, you should inherit it. You should, you know, kind of like, okay, over the, you know, you, you get there the first year, you kind of take whatever you have and you're, cause you're trying to start a culture. But I mean, it's, it's very hard for me to say to him because I do agree. I mean, for Deion Sanders, he's looking at this as a business. He's saying, all right, you, no offense to y'all. Well, he, I'm sure he actually did because we saw the video. He said, some of you aren't good enough. Leave. There's yeah. a door. I know some of you aren't good enough. We'll have meetings. And if I don't think you're good enough, you're not going to be a part of this team any longer. Yeah. And he's looking at it like a business. And, I mean, some coaches do that. They want to look at it as a business. But I think if you want to do that, go to the NFL. This is college football. It's a little different. I, I'm i kind of on Dion's side here. Mm. Because every single year, we see this new head coach. And he's all that. Yeah. They start off bad. And every single time, they get this excuse of, well, these aren't his guys. Yeah. Deion Sanders is entirely avoiding that problem. Mm-hmm. He has found his guys. He's brought in as many as he can, all the guys that he wants, and he's recruiting guys. So it's not that, you know, he's not going to have to wait around. If they suck, that's on Dion now. Yeah. He's gambling on these guys that he's bringing in, but at least they're his guys. True. It, we, we don't have to sit here and accept this excuse that every other college football coach gets where it's like, well, he didn't recruit these guys. Mm-hmm. Dion has brought in all of these guys and he's gambling on them, but if it works, it works. If it doesn't, you know, that's what gambling's about. Yeah. You win some, you lose some. Yeah, all those NFL players know about that, you know? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but, again, like, I, I agree with that. Like, I, I that's why I was very, I, I'm very indifferent about it because, like, you know, he's a football coach. He's sitting there to win, and he knows how to win. He's historically a great player. He, I mean, also, he did this. At, we act like he didn't do this at Jacksonville State. Jackson. The only, or, ja- yeah, sorry, <laughs> Jackson State. The only reason he's getting attention now is because he's at uh, <clears throat> a big-time level. And yeah. so now people are drawing attention to it. So I think he like he he's he's a coach. He's a good. He showed he was good at Jackson State. He still has a little more to prove. However, I think I think, but that's also the thing with Deion Sanders is like they should have known that was coming. Yeah. And everyone who knew that he was doing knew that saw him at Jackson State and all this knew that was coming. So a lot of those players, you know, even if you don't want to be, I mean, a lot of players that transfer don't really want to transfer, but they know it's for the best of them. Why would he want to sit? And that's another thing. Why would he really want to sit there under Deion Sanders if you know he's really not going to give you the shot, whatever it may be? Just go ahead, go somewhere else where you can get your shot, and you can hopefully maybe transfer in the same conference and prove him wrong. Yeah, I definitely understand that. I think, you know, it's it's here and there. You know, mm-hmm. guys you can do what you want at this point in college football. Yeah. As long as you're not breaking the rules, 
you can do whatever you want. You can get NIL collectives together to pay your players now. Mm-hmm. You can find a guy at whatever school you want and be like, hey, you should come here next year. And he'll be like, okay. And then he gets to play week one. Yeah. Like, you can genuinely do whatever the fuck you want now in college football. And I think that Deion Sanders is just going to take advantage of that. Yeah. And very smart by him. And this goes back to what we talked about last week. This is why they need to start getting a GM. Getting Now that college football is basically the NFL, it's literally just the minor league NFL at this point. I mean, it's always been that, but now that yeah. there's basically tr- not trading, but free agency, there's and you're getting paid, they need to have the business aspect there too. Yeah, uh, I think that, you know, there's so much to talk about here, but I feel like we can't really say anything about what Dion's done until we see it on the field. I agree. Because uh, I think that at least the University of Colorado has already accepted it. Mm-hmm. They... they packed out that spring game compared to last year where I think they might have gotten a thousand people in that stadium. Yeah. Like you can already tell the impact of Deion Sanders and just the personality that he is, what he brings to a, a, a team and what he brings to a program in general, where he's more than a coach. He is a name of course, mm-hmm. but I think that he is one of the most personable coaches yeah. that I've seen in a long time where like he will sit down and talk to this 18 year old or 19 year old pert like face to face you and me mm-hmm. and give it to him straight. Yeah. He doesn't cut anything. <laughs> and I feel like that's what makes Dion so desirable to play for is that he is a human being and he's not just some guy who's yelling at you from the sideline. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, and obviously there is other football. I think Nick Saban does a great job of being Kirby. a real human being and same with Kirby, but you know, there is some coaches in college football that are there to coach football and mm. that's all they want to do. Yep. They don't want to deal with the players. They make, you know, this coordinator, or this assistant deal with that shit. Well, that's why you have such great coaches like Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, the two best examples. I, I think even Brian Kelly, he has great, yeah. has always had great relationships with players. And, and if you can, I uh, I mean, a great example with Nick Saban is every co or sorry every player who's ever played for Nick Saban will say he was the best thing to ever happen to me. He has taught me so much. He nothing but good reviews. Yeah, uh, of course. But let's move on. I've got a few questions to round out college football. So we'll start with this one. I saw it on Reddit, mm-hmm. and I also had this interesting realization after I saw it. So the question was, what are some of the most toxic rivalries in college football? And I was looking through the comments, see what some other people said, and the resounding answer was the red team versus the orange team. Really? And I've got some examples here. You have Florida State, obviously Garnet. Yeah. They're three of their rivals wear orange. <laughs> Miami, Florida, and Clemson. And yeah. I, I don't consider Florida State-Clemson a rivalry. We're mm-hmm. not even in the same side of the ACC. But mm-hmm. now that there is no divisions in the ACC, I can consider them a rival now. But Texas and Oklahoma. Yeah. Texas and Texas Tech. True. And Texas and Texas A&M. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Bama and Auburn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bama and Tennessee. Yeah. Red versus orange. <laughs> UGA versus Florida. UGA versus Tennessee. <laughs> UGA versus Auburn. Three, like, the three biggest rivals on UGA's schedule every year. Yeah. That's them. And then Virginia, Virginia Tech, I just threw in there. Oh, yeah. Red versus orange. Yeah. But there's numerous others. Mm-hmm. And... I, I don't know how this realization just came to me, uh, you know, seeing this through all these comments, like, <laughs> holy shit, like, 
have I just been missing this or is this like the most blatantly obvious thing? But, you know, obviously there's other uh, rivalries. What do you think is the like the epitome of like toxic football? Of just pure, I mean, there there's a difference between, to me, between pure hatred yeah. and pure toxicity where it's just bad for everybody. I think that's bad for everybody as Ohio State and Michigan fans. I don't think they know how to act around one another. There's always more that goes on when they play each other. and it's. But if I were, for toxicity, that one's very hard for me. I think, I'm sure if you were like, Probably Alabama or Auburn. That's yeah. a good one. I think Florida State Miami. Yeah, is more toxic than Florida State Florida. Yeah, because you know, obviously, like it's three schools that have a, a storied history of mm-hmm. criminal acts. But <laughs> I think that you know, growing up watching Florida State Miami, and like you know, my dad went to my or went to Florida State. Definitely didn't go to fucking Miami, <laughs> but. You know, see like seeing those games firsthand and like seeing these physical battles between yeah. these two teams. I think that Florida State versus Miami is much more of a toxic rivalry than Florida State versus Florida. Yeah. Another one I'd say is anybody who plays Texas A&M. They yeah. are the most toxic fan base I have ever experienced yeah. in my entire life. I think I think that Texas versus Texas A&M could be up there for one of the most. Toxic. I'm so excited I feel for them like to come back. It doesn't get that physical on the field mm-hmm. as much it's the fans but yeah it's the fans they mm-hmm. just butt heads i mean i have been to old miss and texas a&m been in the stands been on the sidelines whatever it may be those texas a&m fans are fighters and yes. they are trying to <laughs> fight everybody they see if they see you in an old miss whatever they are willing to throw hands right there just because you're wearing an old miss shirt and you're like whoa buddy Settle down. <laughs> Get go back. Go back to your little oil town, whatever you do in Texas. Yeah. Like settle down. Go back to your town of two hundred. <laughs> Calm down there. I think uh, another one that is crazy, but like it's not even a big deal really ever is Pitt versus West Virginia. <laughs> yeah, that that rivalry is just madness. <laughs> it's literally it's like watching just like two kids with iron jaws just punching each other. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's just fun to watch. And, like, last year, I think they played in week one. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just madness. And yeah. that is a rivalry that is certainly toxic. Uh, I would say not as much as toxic, and like this could be an argument, but I would say the most hatred, hate, most pure hate-filled rivalry. I had been, I was a Georgia fan once upon a time, way back when, and I didn't like Florida. Never, still not really a big fan of Florida. Didn't like Tennessee, didn't like Auburn. However, now being an Ole Miss fan and being there and experiencing it, I have never, I have been not served by someone before that was a Mississippi State fan because I was wearing an Ole Miss hat. Like, <laughs> that is just pure hatred amongst the two. And it comes to Thursday on Thanksgiving every year. Yeah. It is a beat, it is just a physical fight between both sides every year. It's a close game. It's just a, long, rough fight between the teams. And I, I love yeah. that is pure football right there. That's what I love about rivalry week as in general. Yeah. Uh, another one that, you know, it, it is still a rivalry, but doesn't happen. I actually, they might schedule them every year, but Notre Dame versus Miami. Yeah. Know, Catholics versus the Cowboys. Oh yeah. Like that whole deal. Like that's a big one, but one that we've both been invested in 
is Georgia Southern versus Georgia State. Oh, I hate I, Georgia State like, so much. Yeah, exactly. Like, I literally <laughs> went to Georgia Southern for two months. I hate Georgia State. Yeah. <laughs> I have been raised since the day I came out of the womb. My grandpa's favorite person in the entire world is Irk Russell, as we know. <laughs> greatest defensive coordinator to ever grace the football field. However, and he also started the Georgia Southern football program. My grandpa thinks he is Jesus. Has pictures of him in the house. I have a hatred for App State and Georgia State. Yeah. Oh, I cannot stand them. And they take it real serious. Oh yeah. Georgia Southern versus Georgia State, like it is. It gets brutal. Oh yeah, it does. <laughs> I mean, it is. I think the thing people forget is those the smaller schools. Those rivalries are almost tougher. Yeah. Than some of the big schools, because yeah, you know, like. Big schools, you know, oh, I'm a Georgia fan, and you didn't even go to Georgia. You're just from South Georgia, so you're a Georgia fan, you know, yeah. whatever. But, like, those smaller schools, you're really only a fan of them if you go there or if you're from the town. Yep. And so those are, like, ingrained in you. You do not like Georgia State because yeah. they are all dumb Atlanta people, whatever <laughs> they say. And it is insane. City and, slickers. Yeah, they're all they're out there and they say they got soft hands and they don't know how to drive a truck. They all have traffic, you know? Yeah. They've never experienced one-lane roads and, one, like, one-stoplight towns. Yeah, they've never experienced driving through Troop County and getting pulled over because I'm going five over the speed limit. Exactly. Yeah. That's, like, a that's a real, that's homegrown hatred. Oh, yeah. It really is. But let's get to this next question. I think you'll enjoy this one. Which athlete should be the first cover athlete of NCAA football's return? I see. That would- 2024. So... I have a weird thinking on this. I was talking to somebody else. They thought that it should be the Heisman winner of whoever it is this year. But my problem is a lot of times that's going to be a guy that's leaving. Mm -hmm. So I want my, like ideally the 2024 cover athlete should be the best player next year that returns the year after. I think that's a big deal to me. And so I have a pick that you're going to (laughs) like. Which is Quinshawn Judkins. I think he's the kind of player that could make a name for himself, could be this you know big name in mm. college football, but he's still going to be here next year. I think he would be a great one because he's already already made a name for himself. Yeah, one of the second best returning uh, or the highest actually highest rating returning running back. I believe I believe he actually ranked higher than Blake Corum. Yeah, uh, returning this uh, fall, and he would be great. However, I think they're going to pick someone from a bigger school. The neck, who they think is going to be the next big thing because that's going to be someone with a large fan base nationally. So it just gets more, just catches more eyes. You know, you see, let's just say Alabama's got the next dang Jalen Hurts out there, yeah. or Tua, whatever. That's who they're going to put on there. Who Or Georgia, it's probably going to be Georgia more likes. Yeah. <laughs> I would not be surprised to see Carson back. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, someone. Or on even Ge- like Kyle McCord from Ohio State. Yeah. Like he's just now starting. And he'll most likely be here for two more years. So the fact that you know he could be great this year and then he's going to return, that's what I value more. I, I don't want to see the cover athlete be a guy who's in the NFL now. Yeah. You've got all their rights now. Mm-hmm. You can do a current college football player, and it's not a problem. And this is something we talked about last week. I would love to see a spec Like, you could just... You go on, you pick your, you say you're an Ole Miss fan, you know, you you can pre-order it, whatever, you're an Ole Miss fan, you'll get one that's a Quinchon Judkins. Yeah. Or, you know, you can pick your player, whatever I it may be. I think they did that before, where they had, like, the split covers, like, certain regions could get yeah. the certain cover athletes. Uh, 
And, and I think that's a fantastic idea. Mm-hmm. You know, you could have like the, the really big prominent colleges would primarily get them. Oh yeah. But you know, like you get like your Florida state edition and it has, you know, whoever, and you know, you get your Ole Miss edition. It's got Quinchon Judkins. You get your Alabama edition. It's got, I don't know, Jalen Rashada. <laughs> <laughs> Someone. Yeah, who, whatever wide receiver is going to be the next fucking Julio Jones that comes out Literally. of Literally. All right, one more question before right. we get uh, into the MLB real quick. Which college football playoff collection of four was the best between Ooh. all four? And I'm going to go ahead and pull them up for you so you can remember all of them. Um, there is so oh, There are some years where it was obvious, uh, I think, Last year was one of the not or the the year before last when it was obvious that it was going to be Alabama Georgia that one I would rank towards the lower because everyone knew it was going to be Alabama Georgia to play in the championship. Whew! This year was a pretty good one. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh dang, dude! I'm having to, yeah. This is a thinker. Okay, so yeah, we'll start. Obviously, this most recent year was TCU, Michigan, Georgia, and Ohio State. Yeah, I. Liked it storylines wise. I think you know the storylines with Max Duggan mm-hmm. and you know Michigan and Ohio State clashing, like all of that, and then of course Georgia, the defending national champion Stetson Bennett, like his whole yeah. story, like it all added up very well for the storylines. I just don't think it was the best. I think you put those up against uh, and a couple of the other four, it's not gonna, they're not gonna make it. Yeah, and then twenty twenty two. I'm not really a fan mm. of this group. Uh, you know, I was not Cincinnati of, weighs yeah. it down a ton yeah. because all they had was Sauce Gardner and Kobe Bryant. Like, <laughs> yeah. that was all I cared about on Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. And then Michigan was all defense. We saw mm-hmm. it in the semifinal yeah. game. They had a defense. Didn't really do much, mm-hmm. but the offense just wasn't there. And so those two really weighed it down. Obviously, Georgia was absolutely phenomenal, and so was Alabama. Oh, yeah. But I think it certainly gets weighed down by the bottom two. I agree. I definitely agree with that. And then for 2021, we had Alabama, Notre Dame. Sorry, I just came up with my answer. I forgot okay. about that year. But yes, uh, Alabama, Notre Dame, Ohio State, and Clemson. I think this is certainly one of the better ones. Oh, that is definitely one of the better ones. I mean, they had great games. Yeah, and, you know, Alabama, high-profile team there. Notre Dame, mm. They were good. Yeah. They weren't college football playoff good that year. Mm-hmm. And I think that that weighs this year's down as well. But the next one is easily a number one contender, at least. Oh, yeah. LSU with Joe Burrow and everybody else. Yeah. Oklahoma with, I believe, Kyler Murray. It, it, or no. No, no, no Jalen Hurts. Yeah, Jalen Hurts. And then Clemson and Ohio State. Clemson was absolute powerhouse as well that year with Trevor Lawrence. So, Oh, that was a good one. And Ohio State had Justin Fields. Like, that was a good Very game. good ones. <laughs> yeah. That was the game that uh, there was the there were a couple targeting calls. I really yes. – some I disagreed with and some no, 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 no calls I also disagreed with. That should have been targeting and they didn't call. That was an interesting ref game. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that as of right now, 2020 is easily the best. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But there is a couple more that are good. Uh, 2019 was probably one of the worst. Yeah, personally. easily. 
uh, Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. We've seen it before. <laughs> and then the championship really wasn't that good either. It's no, one of those Clemson like smacked them. Yeah, but you know it wasn't a bad group. Uh, I think this was the Kyler Murray year it was. Uh, with Oklahoma. But um, yeah, I, there, nothing really excited me all that much with these ones. But 2018 was pretty good. I, liked I think that, that one was one. my favorite one. Yeah, 2018 was great. Georgia versus Oklahoma was electric. Baker yeah. Mayfield, Jake Fromm, but <laughs> still like a, a, a very skilled Georgia team. Kind of the reemergence of Georgia mm-hmm. was that year. And, yeah. You know, from what we've seen them become, it's crazy to see that, you know, that's where it all started, mm-hmm. essentially. And then the championship game, Calvin Ridley's game winning uh, touchdown, like <laughs> everything that went into this four with, you know, Alabama versus Clemson, that was a fantastic matchup as well. I think that one's definitely contending with 2020. Definitely, yeah. That was oh, such a good – that Rose Bowl. Oh, my. Yeah, and then let's see, 2018 – or no, did I skip over – no, I didn't. Okay, uh-uh. 2017, this one is a no for me personally because this is – this includes a Jake Browning-led Washington. Yeah. We all knew – it was going to be Alabama and Clemson. Yeah, and that led to one of my that led to one of my favorite championships, though. Yeah, but one of my favorite semifinals to watch was Clemson thirty one, Ohio State zero. Oh my, yeah. <laughs> Anytime I get to watch Ohio State lose because they don't belong somewhere, it brings me so much joy. Yeah, I believe that was a Braxton Miller led Ohio State it team. Was, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was. Uh, or no, no, I think that was after Braxton Miller. I was think it? That was um, that might have been Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, it could have been, because I think, I think twenty fifteen, Ohio State, which won the first ever college football playoff, I think that they were led. They had Cardell Jones, um, oh yeah, 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 yeah. and Braxton Miller was a senior, Mm -hmm. and then they also had, uh, what's what's the other guy's name? It was Braxton Miller, Cardell Jones, and J T. Barrett. Oh, I think JT Barrett was that year, actually. Yeah, it could have been, but still, I, I don't, I don't like really any of the first or at least the second uh, and third ones. So Alabama, Washington, Clemson, Ohio State, mm-hmm. not a fan. But Clemson, Oklahoma, Alabama, Michigan State—that Michigan State team was so fucking bad. Ugh, they were so like bad. it was weird that they made it. That I hard. remember, I remember looking at the selection. I was like, really. I was like, I'd rather see four SEC. I'd rather see Clemson and three other SEC teams in there <laughs> than and uh, hell put Ole Miss in there. I mean, and I think we were like six and six that year, and it would be a better game than Michigan State versus hell. We beat we brought Alabama almost to overtime that year. Yeah, like that was all. I will say sixteen seventeen though they had two of the worst Final Four. They had the best championships. Yes, definitely. With, you know, the back-to-back Clemson mm-hmm. versus Alabama in both of them. And, funny enough, the two-seed winning both of them. Yeah. But um, 2015 is one of my favorites just because of the names that were in there. Mm-hmm. With Oregon, Florida State, Ohio State, and Alabama, you had, you know, uh, obviously um, this was the first uh, college football playoff. We still had Jameis Winston. Yeah. Um we had Marcus Mariota versus Jameis Winston in the first round, as well as an Ohio State team, which I believe that game, Cardale Jones was the starter. Mm. Um, I don't even know who Alabama's quarterback was then. It was it was Bryce Sims. 
Yes, it was. I remember that's the only reason Ole Miss beat Alabama that year. Yeah, so I think personally it's between 2018 and 2020. Yeah, I think 2018, that was just such a good one because that that playoff game, the Rose Bowl, that was so good. Yeah. And then the championship was so good. Two overtime games. I mean, the Alabama kind of stomped Clemson as we know, as we can look at twenty four to six. They just dominated, and it was a traditional Nick Saban kind of just ran the ball, just dom just down their throats, and just proved that he was better. And that's why they, I mean, that's why that game was so low scoring because, of course, great defense. And then he just said, "Oh, I'm gonna run this ball down your throat until I get tired." <laughs> okay, so. I think I have to go with 2020 mm-hmm. just because of that LSU team. It and was then, so good. You know, seeing Joe Burrow versus Trevor Lawrence in that championship mm-hmm. game was so electric. Like, yeah. Joe Burrow, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Jamar Chase. Justin Jefferson. Yeah, Justin Terrence Jefferson. Marshall. But then on Clemson's side, Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne. Like, yeah. just so much going on on both sides. Pretty sure that T. Was, Higgins, right? No, no, yeah, he, was, he a, was gone. Yeah, he was gone. Yeah. Um, but still, uh, absolutely loaded two teams. Oh yeah, I mean gr- that, that was also. I mean that was a actually a good game until about halfway through the third quarter. Then LSU just opened up and just their defense finally pulled up and just put a stop to everything Clemson had going for them. Yeah, very very interesting stuff there, but. Let's go ahead and talk MLB real quick. I don't have too much to talk about here, but let's start off with these Orioles City Connect jerseys. Um, oh, man. Just looking at these pictures is difficult. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. It is pretty bad. Maryland has one of the coolest flags in the nation, and they said, we're not going to use it at all. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm sure they could have stole the University of Maryland's uniforms. It would have been cooler than this. I'm, I'm trying to pull up the pictures. <laughs> I, I can't find a good enough picture. But, yeah, there's just, like, here here we go. So, it, it's essentially, it's a black jersey with white text on the front. That's really all it is. It's uh, a boring font, um, you know, orange letters on the back. But all of the details are on the inside of the jersey. It just... It doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, Yeah, I just don't understand. I mean, like... I I just... It's kind of cool. Like, it's... Like... That looks like you're trying to make a jersey, like, for... Like, you're a Baltimore Orioles fan for, like, a TV show, but you don't want to get copyrighted. So you kind of make this. That's kind of what it looks like. So... I just pulled up all of like the reasonings behind everything, and uh, mm. this one says, from the outside, it looks all black and white. You can't see what you're looking for threaded threaded from the artistic tapestry of our city. The palette is like our people. Colorful, vibrant, and quirky. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, okay. So, uh, there you they have this part, the city of firsts. If you know our history, then you know Baltimore has pioneered many of America's first inventions. So it comes as no surprise that we're the first MLB team to design the inside of our jersey. 
Um, the neighborhood, so the pattern is a representation of the neighborhoods that shape our city. The grayscale exterior represents the surface level view people have of Baltimore. Look deeper and you'll find the colorful interior that highlights the vibrancy of the city. So I like that reasoning. Mm-hmm. It looks like shit. Yeah. Well, like, it's it's a jersey. Like, it doesn't need to have this much meaning behind it. No, not at all. It's like... I mean, it's like... I feel like Atlanta did, such, did a great one. They based it off of Hank Aaron and yeah. his jerseys when he was in Atlanta. And then they added the culture of Atlanta. The A, the yeah. all those other little things. And, it, like, I thought that, like, Atlanta did really good for with theirs. This one, I feel like they could... I don't know. Yeah, I'm just not a fan, but uh, let's talk about this. Um, I guess the Guardians made history with this one, becoming the second franchise to kill a bird on an MLB field. Woo! <laughs> um, the Guardians' Will Brennan uh, accidentally killed a bird with a hard-hit grounder. Uh, the exit below on Brennan's murderous hit, 100.1 <laughs> miles per hour. That's that's fast enough to kill a bird, I'll tell you and that. I've got to pull up this video because... It is fucking. It is scary, honestly. <laughs> I mean, let's see. This just goes to show, like, you know, people may hate on baseball, but this is. I mean, to get in front of that ball, to be the shortstop, to jump from that ball to try and get it, it's scary. There it is. It is. Yep. I think they'll show the replay here, but uh, just some more information. This is the second bird killing within a week in the yeah. MLB. Uh, last week, Diamondbacks pitcher Zach Gallen uh, unintentionally struck and killed a bird while warming up in the outfield. Um, and the Diamondbacks now have competition in their MLB all-time leading bird murders of two, uh, including Randy Johnson's spring training bird blow-up. Yeah, um, literally the first time since the 90s. <laughs> and it's happened twice now. <laughs> and it's just dead. And the announcer's like, On oh. impact. It's <laughs> Bad dude. Listening to the announcers is so funny. Like somebody did like a real like uh, like you can actually see it and they like highlighted it, but I cannot find the clip of it. But I'm sure they probably asked that it be taken down. Oh, here it is. Never mind. That. Yep. (laughs) I I can't help I'm sorry. It's it's dead. It's just sitting there waiting for it. It's it was trying. (laughs) See, he was trying to help out the Guardians, or the uh, White Sox there, yeah. trying to be a team player, oh. and he he didn't realize the ball was the same size as him. That poor bird. But I will say this puts the Guardians second place all-time in bird murders, so that's big. They're hey, hot. Hey, they're finally, for something, you know? Exactly. They're finally good at something, <laughs> and it's not having to change their name. I mean, the only thing they've had besides changing their name was Major League, the movie. And yeah. then they had to live through the second one. That was terrible. <laughs> they, it's only should have been one movie. That's all I got to say. Never you're, should have made the second one. Yeah, you're 100% right. <laughs> um, last thing for the MLB, Marcelo Zuna and Will Smith got into it a little bit last night. Um, being Monday, the, the series opener after Ozuna's bat um, hit Will Smith on his backswing uh, on a fly out to left field. And if there's one thing I know... Marcelo Zuna is not somebody that would typically plead guilty, so I do trust his apology here. Yeah. Uh, but the big thing for me is that it led to one of my favorite things in baseball, which is when the bullpens, because they love running out from the bullpen, the bullpens walk out into the outfield like on yeah. the warning track, and they're waiting for somebody to swing <laughs> so they can run in, but then they don't get to go anywhere because yeah. no fight starts. And they're just, they're just like all standing there. It is absolutely uh, hilarious to watch. But always yeah, Marcelo Zuna... 
actually walked up and apologized, but mm-hmm. he typically would be pleading no contest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we see we have a few she has a history. Yeah. <laughs> but you know. I always love a good fight. I, I do like this rivalry between the Braves and the Dodgers that have yeah. kind of emerged. It's very, very fun. Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. But let's get into top three, bottom three. We've got a fun one today. I think this one is a little bit interesting because I think there's some interesting parameters that could be set here. Yeah. So we're doing concession stand foods. So no drinks on this one. Not okay. like summer foods. Fair. No, no, uh, no drinks, just foods. Gotta be from a normal concession stand. It can't be some Damn. glorified ballpark <laughs> shit. Okay, if it was ballpark food, then we could talk. Yeah. Concession stand, I think, like shitty rec baseball game or like football game. Right. Like, it, literally the, the bare bones shit. Well, the first thing that comes to my mind, like, it's in most of them, but probably not some of the crappy, like... Oh, well, if it's in most, then yeah. that, that's all game. Because for my, my favorite... By far, of yeah, any you, concession. You've got the top pick on the top three. I got the top pick on the bottom. All right. Three, so you can go ahead. Is barbecue nachos. Mm. I mean, who doesn't love a barbecue nacho? It's chips, a little protein, a little, little cheese in the barbecue sauce. Oh, those are delicious. I get those every time I go to a game. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. I'm trying to think because, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm kind of narrow-minded baseball-wise. So yeah. when I think of going to the concession stand, especially like small baseball game, mm-hmm. I got to get the ranch sunflower seeds. Yeah. Ranch sunflower seeds are an essential <laughs> on the baseball field. I would prefer dill pickle, but you're not finding those at a concession stand. <laughs> so no. you got to go ranch because you need a little bit of flavor. You need a little boldness. And that, fr- <laughs> that those ranch seeds sometimes, man, they can hit. Yeah. So, yeah, I had to take ranch sunflower seeds. For my two, oh, I think this one, this just brings me childhood memories, and some people don't like them, but I love them. The Airhead Extreme, stri- mm-hmm. like sour, like the, the red, white, yeah, and like blue. The little, yeah, like the little rainbow things. Yes, yeah. dude. Oh, those are freaking gas. Yeah, those are fire. I uh, love those. I'm trying to think, because like, I don't want to go too niche, because you know, I'm trying to keep this broad, but you know, I think back to rec baseball. Mm-hmm. You win a game, and you're like, Mom, can I get these? Yeah. And she's like, I guess. <laughs> and it's funnel cake fries. Oh, I don't yeah. know how popular these are at concession stands, but at least my local baseball park had them. Yeah, that's and, the ballpark. Yeah, and it's like, it's not like a full funnel cake. Mm-hmm. It's just like little strips yeah. absolutely doused in powdered sugar. Oh, yeah. And you just... Yeah, and it, mm. there's no way to avoid the mess. No. Forks, napkins, <laughs> hands, it doesn't matter what you do. There's You're going to be covered in powdered sugar, mm-hmm. and it's going to be all over your face. Oh, yeah, 100%. But that's just the joy of funnel cake. That's true. And then you get to lick your hands of all the sugar afterwards, <laughs> and all the powdered sugar. Oh. oh. All right, so your last pick on the top three. This one was always my favorite. It's my favorite to get at Braves games when it's a billion degrees, and... Old Miss games, it's a billion degrees, or even back when we were at early football games in the fall when we were young and would go watch the Friday night games. The frozen lemonade, uh, like ice, like Italian ice, yeah, whatever that is. Yeah, the Italian ice, like the one that comes in the little cup. Yeah. Yeah. They have that everywhere. Like, at ours, you know, we had, like, yeah. the, the truck, but I, I always preferred the lemonade ones. Those were better to me. Oh, yeah, dude. Those little Italian ices are fucking awesome oh i mess those up every time i'm like oh, oh. yeah 
And they're so good. Oh, mm, I could go for one right now. I think I'm going to go double bubble bubble gum. Ooh. Because, in, you know, all, all three of mine have been rooted in baseball. But that's what I played <laughs> growing up. So I remember yeah. going to those concession stands. The best deal. You get four pieces of bubble gum for mm-hmm. a quarter. Yep. You hand them five bucks. You <laughs> hand them out to all your teammates. And then you stick them in your bag because you're going to go through at least eight pieces of that gum Easily. in one game. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> it might last you half an egg. <laughs> oh, I still chew that, though. That's the issue. Oh, I'm yeah. like a child. It's, it is dog shit. <laughs> oh. There is so much better gum. Yeah. And uh, if, if there's a piece of double bubble sitting there, I I'm taking it. it over just about any other 110%, gum. 110 percent, yeah. That Even though five like, seconds with that flavor is yeah. amazing, and then nothing. <laughs> and like your jaw is gonna hurt just from getting it started. Yeah, because it's so dry and it's so hard that like it's like eating a jawbreaker <laughs> yeah. for like the first five seconds, and then by the time you actually get it to the point where you can chew it, it tastes like nothing. Yep. <laughs> but that's the best part about it. Oh, 100 percent. Because yeah. there's nothing anybody ever wanted to do more. Then sit down <laughs> with some bubble gum and continue to put it in their mouth. <laughs> yeah. And, and like, all I've ever wanted to do was just sit down and eat bubble gum, and that's the closest thing I'm getting to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, well, I'm going to start the bottom three. This one might get some hate, but I'm going with just a hamburger. Hamburgers suck uh, mm. traditionally. At concession stands. They're soggy. typically... Yeah, they're soggy. The bun always mm. sucks. Like, the only thing that can save them is condiments. But yeah. typically the condiments are hot. Yep. <laughs> like, the mustard and ketchup has yeah. been sitting out on this little table next to the concession stand all day in <laughs> the sun. In the shade, yeah. Yeah, no, it's been sitting out in the sun. <laughs> always conveniently right outside of the shade yes. where it can boil in there. Yeah, like, and you can't add anything to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you can't add any pickles or onions. Mm-hmm. It, it's just a patty, maybe a slice of craft, like a craft single. Yeah. Um, just the most wet bun mm-hmm. ever. Mm-hmm. And then you just throw some ketchup and mustard there to give it some kind of flavor. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay with the trend here of, some people are going to disagree with this. I think the pickles at concession t- stands suck. It Never- depends. I think I think it depends. I mean, I've You're I, talking like the pre-packaged pickles? Yeah. I don't know. I I've don't had know. some that I'm not a big pickle guy. I mean, I can, but like I I've had those friends that will go get those. I'll take a bite and I'm like, this thing's about a billion degrees. It's been sitting on that counter yes. for days. I'll give you that. You know, and I'm just like, Ugh, why why are you doing this to yourself? Yeah, Dude, I'm... pickles are so good. I'm like, yeah, you may not cramp, but you want to kill yourself. <laughs> I don't think a pickle's ever made me push me that far, but I'm not a fan of a warm, yeah, warm pickle. But if it's like, uh, there is some places where like they have like the ones in the fridge, mm-hmm. they pull them out of the fridge. You, it's super cold. Yeah, it's that's fantastic. different. Those are different. I'm talking that they just have them off to the side. They're like, yeah. oh. they were like they've been like they have the. They're just like, uh, like they're pre-packaged, just mm-hmm. like sitting on the front. You grab it, you hand it yeah, to no, them. Yeah, that fucking sucks. Yeah, that Ugh. really sucks. But um, all right, I'm trying to think. You know, there's not that many bad things at a concession stand. Yeah, because it's just it's easy. It's you know, you go up, it's like pre-packaged, yeah. like candy, chips, fit like hamburger, hot dog, and then drinks. Yeah, but I I think I genuinely do hate this stuff, and 
it's the the pre-packaged like what you'd buy at the grocery store cotton candy it Ooh, comes yeah. in like the actual bag Ugh. and it's like the three balls in there and they're yeah. the three different flavors the texture sucks because yeah. it's not like that wispy feel of mm. actual like fresh made cotton candy yeah. it is like the most processed it literally feels like a snowball mm-hmm. in your hand and when you go to bite into it it feels like one as well yeah but like ugh. it is the worst and the flavor sucks yeah they ugh those are terrible I've had one. Oh, <laughs> I remember like you're a kid. You're like, oh, this is great, and you're like, yeah. oh, it's like, oh, it's cotton candy. Like that's great, and then you try it like a year later, and it's like, <laughs> wait, this is awful. Yeah. <laughs> the worst is if you ever like gone from real cotton candy, and then you're like, oh yeah, yeah. this is gonna be just as good. And you're like, oh, yeah, it always, it never fails to disappoint. <laughs> oh yeah, you just ugh. back to what we were saying about. I, I mean, I mostly enjoy everything at the concession stands. I'm trying to look through my memories of. Just things I never touched. Yeah. Huh. That's a, a tough one. There's some that are just like, you get them, and they, you get them every time, hoping they're going to be good. Mm-hmm. And they're just not. There is a few things like that. I'm trying to think. Because I always just mostly stuck to... I. I would yeah, get, once you knew what you liked, yeah. you stuck to I got my $3, I went up, I said... Give me a blue Powerade and then the Airhead strips. Yep. Every single time without fail, I went to, every time we went to an Edwell football game, <laughs> I always did that, and that sat got me set for the rest of the game. Yeah. It, it's tough. I'm trying to think of my last one. Yeah, I'm gonna. We're about to, have to go to Google. <laughs> I mean, this is embarrassing. I can't look up look up concession stand foods oh, and just see what comes up. I think that would be a good idea. Stands, foods. I'm trying to think like. I think I have one in mind for my last one that I'm just not a fan of, but you know, there, there's such endless thing. You know, different places, different regions are gonna have different stuff at the concession stand. Yeah, and I think you know, from come from the South, hours may be different, and, and you know, the Midwest. I'm sure they have like cheese curds and <laughs> those things. All my friends in the Midwest are obsessed with cheese curds, so I'm sure they're like, yeah, fresh che- cheese curds. Ooh, um. I don't know. I've never really tried them. Oh, here's one. According to this is this claims it. The any chili any cheese fries are always so ungodly soggy from concession stands. If you ever yeah. got one, yeah, and it makes it worse if they're chili cheese fries. Oh yeah, they, like they use the worst chili. It's not hot, mm-hmm. and the fries are gross. Yeah, and you're just and you're like and you're trying to pull it apart. And it's just cold, and you're just yeah. like. Oh God! What is this? And you put it. And you're like, I spent three dollars for this, and you're just like upset, and you're just like, Well, now I gotta eat them, and now yeah. you're just like, Then you're just mad, and you're like, Fuck. Yeah, I, I think for my last one, I'm gonna have to go with any chocolate candy that sits at the front mm-hmm. because they're always melted, like to always. the point where as soon as you pick it up, it has now fully filled the entire package. <laughs> yeah, and you're just like, What am I supposed to do? Yeah, with this? Exactly. I, I, that is the worst feeling because, like, there is good chocolate to get at a concession stand. You can get like some M and M's stuff like that, like maybe like a York peppermint patty. That's like you know one of yeah. those cheap ones. You mm-hmm. grab one, but they're always sitting at the front, and they Ugh. always are melted. Always melt, yeah, and you're just so upset. You get your Reese's and you're like, oh, I can't wait to eat this, and then it's the milk, the chocolate yeah, peanut butter separated. You gotta, you gotta yeah. take the little wrapper off, and half of the peanut butter yeah. cup comes with it. And you're like, oh man, he's gonna like lick it, and you're just like, everyone's <laughs> looking at you, you're like, I'm not weird, I promise. I want to get the best of both worlds. All right, <laughs> and people are judging you, like everybody, stop looking at me. <laughs> 
It's always terrible. <laughs> All right. What is your final selection here? Now, most of the time it's good because it's fresh. But when it's not like right out or they're done making it, yeah. is the stale popcorn. Oh, yeah. yeah I, I've gotten stale popcorn and I've gotten burnt popcorn before. And I literally was like, this entire thing is black. What, what are we going to like... Can I get another yeah, scoop? It's, all, it's like, all burnt, or it's not enough of it is popped. Yeah. It's stale, flavorless. Yeah, and you're like, can, can I get a bit of like, oh, sorry, you already paid. And you're like, oh, guess guess I'll just go F myself over here. Cool. All right. That's going to do it for the top three, bottom three, concession stand foods. I want to give a shout-out real quick because I yeah. love this story. So a uh, little background on this. Um, Scott Van Pelt goes on, pardon my take, at the end of every Masters tournament. And this past year, or so two years ago, they asked him, what are you getting at the vending machine? Because he was like on a video call, walking up to the vending machine. He said, you got to get the big Texas, the mm-hmm. cinnamon rolls and, or the honey bun, I think. No, no. Big Texas cinnamon roll. And so, uh, he didn't name the person when he went to this year's masters, but he said that a fan came up who was working the event and asked him, you know, you get in the big Texas after this one. He was like, yeah, of course. And then he ended up going on part of my take again and saying they were out of the big Texas in the vending machine that he went to. So a person that we actually went to high school with Nolan <laughs> Silverman, um, <laughs> he was the kid that asked him about them at the event <laughs> at the masters when he was working it. And then Nolan was going to be at Oak Hill and so he ordered an entire box of big Texas cinnamon rolls <laughs> and found Scott Van Pelt at Oak Hill and gave them to him. <laughs> I, like when I saw this, I was floored because I saw it on Scott Van Pelt's Twitter first. And I was like, wait, I know that kid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What? Uh, just <laughs> such a funny story. That's crazy. Yeah. And then you know, Scott tweeted about it. Uh, big Cat, PFT, both of them from... Uh, from part of my take with Big Cat directly responding to Nolan uh, saying that he's the man. So congrats, Nolan. That's yeah. so funny. That's that's very cool. All right. I think that's going to do it for us. Um, anything else you've got for the people? Oh, I wish I had some more crazy things <laughs> to say, but dude, we are getting close to the cat. We're, I believe we're at the count, the beginning of the countdown to kick Oh my God! Yeah, countdown to kickoff for college football. Yeah, we're getting there. I think we're around a hundred days to yeah. week one. Because no, no more sports going on. Because Ole Miss is out of the baseball tournament, so who cares? <laughs> All so, we've got is the Braves, and yeah. at the moment they are down five to one in the bottom of the eighth. Yeah, I might have to go home and cry. <laughs> it's been it's been a rough week for me. Ole Miss has been eliminated from everything. Yeah, softball, baseball. All I got left is the Braves, and now we're losing. Yeah, maybe before the. Uh, like regional star for college baseball, we'll kind of catch up. Because we started the season, we yeah. were like, yeah, we love talking about college baseball. And then we, and then start, we just gave up. My t- Both of our teams <laughs> fell apart. We were like, you know, we don't care anymore. Exactly. So, yeah, maybe we'll do like a little little uh, refresher heading yeah. into the regionals. Because I do want to talk, you know, super regional oh, college yeah. world series. So Yeah, Southern know. Miss going all the way. Mississippi, Mississippi three years in a row. They're hitting a the trifecta. <laughs> that would be insane. Yeah, it's going to happen, man. I'm manifesting it. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for us, Brock. Thank you for coming on once again. And, um, yeah, I I will catch you all on Friday's episode with Luke. we got tons to talk about. And, uh, Brock, we'll catch you next week.
See you, man. Thank you, brother.